There's a bad word in real estate that most people don't get to hear, rescission. It means you're in big financial and legal trouble if you've been served. Essentially, if you receive a rescission notice, you are at risk of losing your deposit if you can't settle the property. Today, we're going to find all about rescission notices and how you can avoid putting yourself in that position with some expert advice. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent, and invest right. Your host is Sue Langda. Real Estate Right gets your mind thinking about all the what's, ifs, maybes, and possibilities that real estate can create to make your investment in property a real journey. Download our back catalogue now to find the episode that suits you and your current situation. We have top experts, great topics, and everything in between to give you the game plan you need to create your own real estate story. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Building an empire in real estate conveyancing, our amazing conveyancing expert, Kiani Mills, formerly from KLM Conveyancing, has recently launched her new business, Imperial. Imperial is a property concierge who share knowledge with like-minded people who see property as a gateway to building wealth. Here today to ensure you don't get yourself in legal trouble. Welcome Kiani, how are you today? I am amazing as always. Thank you for having me, Sue. Thanks for coming on. Now, now you've just had a bit of a business change. You're now called Imperial. Imperial, is that how we like to pronounce it? Imperial, correct. Imperial. Um, So what was the strategic change away from KLM conveyancing? Yeah, look, KLM obviously is a legacy for me. It's my initials. It's not, um, you know, a a very technically thought out name, but (laughs) it really has, um, it's had its homage in the last six years. It's been a fantastic learning curve for me and for the team, but I really did feel we've gotten to a point in our business where we actually do more than just conveyancing. So yeah. I felt a little bit pigeonholed yeah. having it KLM conveyancing. Yeah. Uh, not that we're going to be branching into other areas or anything like that, but the advice that we're giving um, based on the staff that we've got in the office is yeah. so much more specialised than conveyancing. And the word imperial is actually the translation of the word empire into the feminine. Okay. So it's imperial is the is empire so while I am yes trying to build my empire what we do effectively is we empower and encourage and educate all of our clients to help them build their empires through property so it was a pretty uh thought out process this time around yeah and we've pulled it back Roman themes we've got a triangle in our in our branding so that we're pulling it back to the Roman days where you know it takes more than one person to to raise a child it takes a whole entire town so just like us we've got our network we've got our support teams we've got colleagues we've got you know people that assist us in the process the entire way through so again it's more than just advancing it's everything that goes with it it's all you really it is it's everything that you stand for and it feels right yeah it feels right to me um I've had a lot of changes in my life personally I've moved from Victoria to Queensland And I just really feel the word evolution keeps coming up for me and that feels like it's happening personally 
and professionally and it was time for good old KLM to catch up yeah. and and evolve in what it can be and will be for the future. Yeah, sounds good. Now, today we are talking about rescission notices, um, which, yeah, it's uh, it's a lovely, <laughs> lovely thought. So it's it's basically the worst end of the conveyancing process, isn't it? It is, yeah. When yeah. we talk about kind of worst case scenarios, this is there is one step further, but it's a very unlikely situation. So this yeah. is more of the, you know, I'm using inverted commas here, common occurrence if things were to turn pear shape. Okay. So now what is a rescission notice? So effectively, if you're unable to meet your contractual obligations under the contract, and generally the two main dates is our payment of our deposit, mm-hmm. which comes at the start of the transaction, and then settlement at the end. So if we can't, generally it falls under settlement. So if we can't meet our settlement date for whatever reason, um, we can't get the home loan, we can't get the cash together, whatever happens in our process that is generally outside of our control. Yeah we move into what's called a default period. Mm-hmm. So you've defaulted under the terms of the contract. The vendor has the right to charge penalty interest. They also have the right to charge a default notice. Yeah. Tacked onto that default notice is then what's called a rescission notice. So the default notice is kind of a, a kinder way of saying, right, you've defaulted under the contract. You've got 14 days to rectify this. It's a, it's a bit of a scare tactic. Yeah. Let's get it done. We're charging you penalties. There's a, you know, a nice fee that comes with the default notice but just kind of get you, get your ducks in a row, get it all sorted, and, and let's get it finalised. The rescission notice is that next step forwards that says not only are you in default, not only do you have to pay that fee, not only are you getting charged penalties, at the end of the 14 days of a rescission notice, the vendor then will retain the property, cancel the contract, and keep the full 10% deposit. Ouch. Yeah. Even ouchy. Yeah. Okay. It is. Yeah. yeah. So basically you sort of touched on a few things, like the in terms of circumstances, it's either, you know, your loan hasn't been approved, hasn't gone through, you can't get the cash from mum, dad, tats, lotto, win, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> any, other, <laughs> any other circumstances that you could get served a rescission notice? Well, look, Mainly also to change of circumstances. Um, yeah. Through COVID, we saw a lot of people lose their jobs yeah. unexpectedly as well. So if you can't satisfy the requirements of, you know, PAYG or self-employed for whatever reason, um, say, for instance, at the very last minute you default on a credit card or miss a payment and that then puts your credit rating into question, that could yeah. be a last-minute hiccup. But I guess these are still all related to the finance side. Yes. Most of the time finance is the biggest kicker. Yeah. Especially where people go to auction and assume they've got their finance sorted, but mm. maybe don't. But then yes, the end of it is we don't have enough money. We can't get mum and dad to kick in. We see it a fair bit when it happens with off the plans as well. Yes. Because when you buy an off the plan property, settlement can be two, three, four years away. Mm. And while we all really hope that our situation is going to stay steady, if not better, there are situations where it comes in that um, they're not. Mm. Or there are situations where when you go and get your valuation done, the valuation of the property comes in under purchase price. And then you can't come up with a difference. So 
most of the time it really is around the cash. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And like, I guess, you know, as you say, if your circumstances change, you could have split up with the person that you bought the property with. And then it's also a question of who takes ownership of that property in the meantime. Absolutely. People could pass away. Yeah. That you know, move into state for work. You know, there are life circumstances that do catch people out. Yeah, fair enough. Now, when does a rescission notice get served? So this is at the discretion of the vendor because, okay. as I alluded to before, there is a default notice and a rescission notice. They can serve one and then serve the next, which each have a time frame attached to them. Yes. Or they can serve a default and rescission notice in one that simply gives 14 days to rectify the default. Yeah. So it only yeah. ever get the it only ever gets served once you've missed the critical date. Yes. So if you've missed the physical settlement date, they can't serve a default notice before the sev- the settlement date. Yeah. Say for yeah. instance we were settling on the 20th of January mm-hmm. and it got the 20th of January and we couldn't settle Legally, the vendor solicitor can't charge the rescission or serve the rescission notice until the 21st of January. Okay. Yeah. Which makes good sense. Yeah. Now, what are the penalties? Like, is there a penalty on the default notice as Mm. well as the rescission notice? Again, it depends how it's served. Yes. Penalties. So if you miss settlement, generally the first imposition or financial imposition that gets passed on is penalty interest. Mm -hmm. Penalty interest under the standard contract of sale is around about 12% per day based on the amount that's outstanding under the contract. Yeah. So that's the interest rate. Then the default notice, say for instance, the default notice and rescission notice was served together. Generally, we see anywhere from about $400 to about $1,000 as the default fee. And it's at the discretion of the vendor's solicitor how much that fee actually is. Yeah. And then in the scenario where there's a default notice served, they wait the, the time frame, 14 days, for instance. Yeah. And then there's a decision notice served, they can both attract different default fees too. It's very unlikely you'd see them both attracting a thousand dollars each. Yeah. But there is no um there's no cap on it. There's yeah. no um I guess fair you know fair trading amount that is stipulated that is yeah. deemed to be fair and reasonable it's just whatever the vendor solicitor is prepared to charge yeah so we'll go into this a little bit later but as you know I've been served a rescission notice and I believe we we only gave a five percent deposit and the mut and the percentage was based on that five percent what they actually had not what was outstanding is that right other way around. So oh, the okay. penalty that gets served, it depends. So if we're talking about a deposit, if you've defaulted on paying your deposit, say, for instance, your deposit was supposed to be 10%, but you only paid five. Yeah. Then yes, they can only serve a default for you on the part that you haven't paid, okay. which is that extra 5%. But if we're talking about settlement and you've yeah. paid a 5% deposit already, they can't chase you for that 5%. They've got that. It's the 95% that is outstanding, that needs to be paid at settlement, that's what they're chasing and that's what the penalty interest amount is calculated on, that daily penalty okay. interest. Yeah. But the default itself, the default fee is a vendor solicitor fee and then the actual default notice is 
attached to what you owe the vendor. So what's outstanding. Yeah. It, it's scary, really. Yeah, It is. Really and there's, there's another um, right that the vendor has in there as well, because under the contract of sale, we are legally required to pay 10% deposit. Yeah. As you know, we can negotiate that down to yes. 5%, 7%, 8%, whatever it needs to be. Yeah. But if you were to default at settlement and you'd only paid 5% deposit, yes, they're instantly entitled to your 5% if you don't rectify the default, but they're also able to come and claim the extra 5% off you as well. Mm. Yes. But they will have to, they will have to go down the uh, legal proceedings route, which yeah. is the final step in the process that really um, it is very rare because yeah. um, it is quite a lengthy and costly expense. Yeah. Um, but they can also then come after you if they were to resell the property and they could only sell it for less than what your contract price was. Mm. They can chase you for the difference as well. Yeah. So Which, that's yeah. one step further, but it's it's very rare. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen it much and I've been doing this for a very, very long time. Yeah, yeah. Now... If you don't go through with the settlement, how would the penalties be collected? Good question. So generally what happens is the solicitor or the conveyancer or the vendor's representative, once they serve that default notice, they then move into collecting the deposit and retaining the deposit and then they'd serve a collection notice on us, which we would then have to get our client to pay. If they don't pay it, again, that's when if they're going to go through legal proceedings to get the penalties and the fees paid, that's when they probably tack on the extra 5% deposit if only 5% have been paid. So we always advise our clients if they do get in this situation, you're better off to pay it now because if they're going to start a legal proceedings against you for $1,000 or $1,500 $1,500 or $2,000, they're absolutely going to tack on everything else they possibly can because sometimes they will also make you pay their lawyer's costs. Mm. They also sometimes make you pay the agent's commission because they've already paid an agent. Mm-hmm. So they can, they can start stacking on the fees and charges that um, the buyer can be required to pay. So yeah. Where a rescission is in place, as horrible as it is losing the deposit, um, it is always advisable to pay any of the other outstanding amounts up front straight away yeah. just to avoid it on to that next stage because they're going to make it worth their while. Yeah. So we need to do the right thing up front, even yeah. though it's hard. It's a hard pull to follow when you're losing so much money. Yeah. Um, but sometimes... We- we can't control it. It's out of our hands. Yeah. Now that we have a basis of what a rescission notice is, we're going to have a small break and come back with more from Kiani Mills from Imperial, who will go through the different possibilities that can happen if you can settle but need longer or if you can't settle at all. You're listening to Real Estate Right, and I'm Sue Langada, and I'm talking to the beautiful Kiani Mills from Imperial about rescission notices and what can happen if you can't settle. 
So, Kiani, you know I've had a personal experience with this and it was all due to signing a contract subject to finance and it took a little longer for the finance to be approved than we had expected. So there were three options up our sleeve. One, the vendor could have been nice and just extended the settlement. Yeah, correct. So that's just negotiating an extension, correct? Yeah. Okay. We could have chosen not to settle at all. Yep, and we would have had we would have then cancelled the contract under the finance clause. Yes, or the vendor could serve us the rescission notice, and we had an extension on our settlement, which cost us each day, with the possibility that we couldn't come through with a settlement. So we took well, we had the third option. Basically, um, we got the rescission notice for fourteen days, um, and I think we got it to about day thirteen before we settled <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty pretty scary yeah it, but yes yep um it, now do you want to go through the stages if we can't settle and you get the rescission notice do you want to just basically explain the process cool I always like to start firstly while we have a contract that has legally bound dates and we are bound by the terms in that contract, everything in this world is negotiable. And in the right circumstances with the right vendor, the right vendor solicitor, the right terminology and the right wordsmithing, it is possible to get extensions on on all of our dates under the contract. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes they may attract an admin fee from the vendor solicitor. Sometimes, as you said, the vendor could have just been nice and allowed Mm -hmm. us to extend the dates. Firstly, with a subject to finance, that will always give you the option to cancel the contract if your finance is not approved. Yes. However, if your finance is approved, it's just approved late, then it's a little bit trickier because we, in order to cancel the contract under finance, you need to have a letter of decline. So in your instance, there was no letter of decline. So Mm. finance was approved. It just meant that it pushed out the timelines. So in that instance, it's can we please have an extension of time for the finance and an extension of time for settlement? And as a first point, we don't attract mm-hmm. any fees in these situations. We want to just all parties agree to extend the dates and happy days. Yes. When that doesn't, that doesn't. happen. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. When that doesn't happen, um, that is when the vendor can turn around and say, I'll extend the date, but I'm going to charge you penalty interest. Mm-hmm. And that is just simply that, you know, it starts at around 12%. It can get up to anywhere between 16 to 20% um, oh. per day on the amount that's outstanding under the contract. That's kind of the smaller amount. And mm-hmm. then when we get to that extended date or if the vendor has been nasty from day one and said, no, mm-hmm. we're not having any extensions, legally from that contract date of the settlement, they can from the following date on serve the rescission notice, default and rescission notice. So if you can't settle, we always try and negotiate first. If negotiation doesn't work, then in Victoria it is, while, yes, it attracts fees, it is a bit of a lifeline having knowing that we've got 14 days to settle without the property being taken off us. In other states like Queensland, there is no rescission timeframe and if you don't settle on the due date, the property can just be taken from you the next day. So yeah. we do have a little bit more lenience in Victoria. While it's not nice for anyone to do it, um, yeah. we've got it. 
Next yeah. scenario down was um, you could have chosen not to settle. Correct. Mm-hmm. If we were still subject to finance and if we were able to prove that our loan wasn't going to be approved or couldn't be approved, then yes, we could have settled. Um, if you choose to move through the finance clause and go to what's called an unconditional contract, which takes us straight through to settlement, mm-hmm. even if you choose not to settle at that point in time, you would still lose your deposit. You just wouldn't yeah. extract the penalties or the default fees or the rescission fees. Yeah. Even in some instances where you choose not to settle, the vendor solicitor can still serve the notice anyway and tack on some extra fees because legally, yeah. even though yeah. you've chosen not to settle, you have still yeah. defaulted under your promise or your agreement and the terms under the contract by not finalising settlement. Mm. So while they, they they wouldn't or they may not charge penalty interest, yes, they can still start, serve the notice and, and charge the fee. So mm. it's not always a clean cut answer to just kind of cut your okay. losses and run. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, option C was um, the way that you went, which is get yeah. get the rescission served. You know you've got 14 days get yeah. the bank and everybody to work the little butt off, get everything done, mm-hmm. settle as soon as we can. So yeah. it's it's a really hard thing to navigate. Again, as I said before, a lot of the yeah. time these things are out of our control and mm-hmm. we can't control what happens in the back end. And we go into these property purchases thinking that, yes, I've got everything in order. Lo and yeah. behold, the bank wants something new and then the bank wants something else or, you know. And the banks are getting harder and harder and harder. Yeah. Um, the yeah. other the other concern too is that um, banks are now saying they're giving the pre approval and then having a timeline of three months that you have to purchase Correct. the property. Yeah, so, so yeah. you know you you purchase within that three months, but then you might settle in two months. Correct. That stuff up your approval slash. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a really big thing that we find at the moment, especially because the market's been so hot for the last twelve months. Mm. You've got ninety days under a pre-approval. You've actually got ninety days in most instances to reach formal approval. So if you buy and then get the contract through, send the bank everything they need, and get formal approval pretty much straight away, yeah. then, then you're good to go. But yes, there's a massive risk that your pre-approval will lapse in that period mm. of time and you the broker has to start the process all over again and yeah. when we see people not necessarily aware of the end date of their pre-approval go and sign a 30-day contract and they've got yeah. to do their whole entire finance application again yeah it's a really really frightening situation mm. um, in this market it's kind of hard to navigate though because by the time you do want something you just most people have been looking for months, so they just want to get mm. in there as fast as possible. So one of the yeah. first conversations I have with all of my clients is double check with your bank and your broker how long they need for settlement because there was a time there, especially with COVID in the lead up to Christmas, banks said minimum 60 days. So clients yes. aren't even allowed to sign 30-day contracts. So mm. it's going to change. It fluctuates. It's up. It's down. But, yeah, there is a lot of... Um, potential for things to go wrong purely from from the dates perspective when we sign documents and we sign contracts how long it takes do we need to provide updated pay slips you know 
all of the the joyful things that our our amazing brokers have to deal with on a day. Oh, yeah. So just to make it clear, if I got pre-approval today, would I have 90 days to settle or 90 days to purchase? Look, I'm in my experience and yeah. every bank is and different. And, I yeah. and you're legal, you're not finance, so Correct. I get that. would be wrong, but from yeah. what I've seen and experienced, it's 90 days to progress that loan through to the next stage. So okay. when, you, when you apply for pre-approval, it's pre-approval subject to normally purchasing a property and getting a valuation. Yeah. So then if you were to purchase within the 90 days, get the valuation done and move through to formal loan approval, that's moving the loan to the next stage, yes. which would mean that that pre-approval would just transition through. Yeah. But if you haven't moved through to formal approval at the expiration of the 90 days, that's when we get into a bit of tricky waters. Mm. I know that there are some lenders that will allow the brokers to extend the formal, I mean, the, the pre-approvals to yeah. give by a little bit more time. Um, I'm sure some of them don't though. Yeah. So this is why, again, I love brokers because your bank probably wouldn't give you all of that information just because yeah. to them it's it's so common. But brokers are really invaluable resources because they will be able to track those pre-approvals for you and make sure that you don't miss any deadlines. In saying all of that, is there any best way to avoid getting a rescission notice? Look, as I said, you know, this is the conversation I have with all of my clients at the start. Yeah. It's find out from your bank how long they need. Find out if there are any outstanding documents that you need to provide today or in three months time because even if you buy at the end of your pre-approval you may need to provide updated pay slips or a new notice of assessment or new tax returns or whatever it might be you need to do a little bit more homework than just rely on the fact you've got a pre-approval you know things can change and things can take longer Um, if you do have it subject to finance and you are self-employed or you are um, using two incomes or even overseas income it takes longer. It yeah. really does take longer. So it's just being overly prepared at the forefront, yeah. knowing knowing how long it's going to take or even just we're never going to know. But an estimate is fantastic. Yeah. And then making sure that our settlement date really is reflective of that. Yeah. Unfortunately, as I said before, it yeah. is dependent on the parties involved. Mm. Some vendors are really flexible. Yeah. Others aren't for their own personal reasons. They yeah. might have another purchase that they've got to, you know, they've got to s- settle their sale to you and then buy yeah. something else at the same time. So we don't know what's going on in their world. They might be yeah. desperate for money. You know, they might be going through a divorce, as we spoke about before. Yeah. We just don't know. So yeah. as long as we are prepared, and and I would always suggest give yourself more time as opposed to less, mm. and we know what our rights are under the contract and we are transparent and wordsmith our extension requests in in a way that we can show that we are invested in this purchase and we are doing everything in our power um, that is really the way you know pull on the heartstrings a little bit so they understand the stresses we're going to because there are people in this world that genuinely don't care and yeah. just go make give me don't care yeah. whatever yeah whereas then yeah. there's you and I that get heartbroken over these things and it's the most stressful time in our lives. And, you know, there's no, there's no perfect recipe. There's no no perfect formula, but to me, preparation is everything. Mm. Um, And and just keeping a really good relationship with the agent so that they can try and 
yeah, sweet talk the vendor to allowing us to get what we need. Yeah. But yeah, then we just sometimes we're faced with ourselves. Yeah. Well, like in my circumstance, there was, you know, it was an investment property for the couple. He was pretty cruisy about it. She wasn't. She was freaking out. We haven't had a tenant in there for like three months. We haven't got any money coming out of it. You know, COVID's hit, all that sort of stuff. And so she was panicking because she's like, well, if we if if we don't go come through with the purchase and the money, then they've got to go through the whole process again. So but I think we paid about three or four grand in costs on top of everything. But as an investment property, it's the cost of business. So you yeah. just have to look at it that way. You'll get it back on your tax return or lots of stuff. Um, in the scheme of things, it's a, it was a good outcome. It was a good outcome. So, uh, but, you know, others would, it could be a lot more. Um, yeah. But then, you know, we could have lost our deposit. We could have had to pay, you know, the agent's fees for the sale because they're selling it twice um we could have had to pay all the legal fees that that, that it could have been you know a hundred thousand dollar exercise yeah yeah and come out with nothing that's a that's a beautiful way to look at it Mm. you know while it was stressful it was we got there in the end and it did not ideal wouldn't want to yep. go through it again. Extra, no. you know, lost a little bit of hair, but it's better than the alternative. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Keanu, for coming on to our podcast again. Um, you're always a wealth of information and a joy to have on. So, now, how can our listeners get in contact with you if they are looking to buy or sell property and need a conveyancer? Yeah, well, um, now we've had our official rebrand and launch. I would love everyone to follow us on our socials, um, Imperial on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Yeah. Otherwise, jump on the website. You can book in a free consultation at any point in time. And we love to give all of our Real Estate Right listeners a $100 off gift card when they do come and use our services. So, um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And please follow us on socials. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that extra um, saving on their property purchase. Yeah, and we'll have all your details on our social media and on our Real Estate Right website. So thanks again, Kiani. Yeah. Now, next week we have David Klingberg from Smart Planning and Design to talk to us about the tricks of the trade when it comes to town planning. Our last town planning episode was quite popular for those looking to get into property development. So David will go through some essential tricks to get you started on your property development journey. So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is produced by Real Copyright, one of Melbourne's leading real estate copywriting companies, and is written, hosted, and produced by me, Sue Langada, with the support of my production and social media assistant, Lisa Fisher. All information given on this podcast is a guide only and delivered to help you understand the intricacies that can happen in real estate. We recommend that you get professional advice that is designed for your own personal circumstances. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting this podcast, Premium Beat for their music, Francis Morello for his voiceover, and Zoom for the recording. If you have a real estate story that is inspiring or a great how-to tip, 
please contact Lisa on 59778889 to find out how you can be a guest on Real Estate Right in 2022. If you would like to know more about our copywriting services, please email Lisa at orders at realcopyright.com.au. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Right. It's where buyers, sellers, renters and investors get their real estate right. Baby, I'm